This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined once again in studio with Jim Sevastio. Jim, hey. Hi, Brian. Good to see you. Thank you, brother. Good to see you. So we got a great topic today that I think uh, a lot of you will connect with. Before we do that, um, I want to just mention to you that if there's any way we can help you, please write us. Go to practicalshepherding.com and go to the contact page, and that comes directly to me. And we would love to be able to help you if any way we can. If you're a pastor listening to this and don't have anywhere to go, uh, we might be able to connect you with someone. Also, if the podcast has been helpful, would you go to iTunes and write us a review? It helps us uh, grow, helps us learn, helps us uh, spread the word of the podcast. The other thing I want to mention to you, many of you may not know about it, but we do a video uh, cohort for pastors. We do It's an hour a week. It's a 40-week course, and it's free. It's part in partnership with the North American Mission Board and Practical Shepherding. And so certainly NAM pastors, we want to be a part of this. We also let other uh, non-NAM pastors involved in this as well. If you're interested in, you have to apply to this. So go to the website, practicalshepherding.com. And if you go to the resource page, find the video cohort. Uh, that page will help you to know how to apply to the cohort. And then we will uh, accept you potentially depending on your situation. But if you're a pastor or a church leader of some kind, let us know that as you apply. And we would love to have you join us for that. It's going to actually launch in January of next year. And so the registration will be wrapping up here in the next month or so. So please go and, and register for that free video cohort. I would love to to see you and be a part on that uh, because we use Zoom as part of that cohort. For today, Jim, uh, we have an important topic that I think every at least older or seasoned pastor needs to consider, and that is, what advice would we give to our younger selves? So let's put it a little bit in context. I'm 45 years old. Uh, next May, I will hit 25 years of ministry, and you are how old and how many years of ministry do you have under your belt? I'll, I'll be 57 in January and if you depend on how you look at it. I started preaching 40 years ago. That counts. That counts. So, so 40 years ago. Yeah. So we we are not old, but we are also not young. So uh, that means that we have enough behind us to be able to reflect back and see things we would have done differently, maybe things we would have thought about. Because we know there's a lot of younger pastors that listen to this podcast. So we thought of this for you. And so Jim's going to set this up uh, from a biblical standpoint, and then we're just going to kind of go back and forth and share uh, a few things with you that we would like our younger selves to have known if we had a chance to talk to them. So Jim, set it up, set this up biblically for us. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say there's no explicit text uh, about this, about talking to your younger self or <laughs> corresponding to your younger self, obviously. There is the, the matter in a text we looked at a few uh, podcasts ago about preaching in First Timothy chapter 4 uh, about letting your progress be known. And that's just the evidence that, that who you are at one stage of your ministry is not who you are at another. And, and you're to make progress, not just in your preaching, but in your understanding, your pastoring. I think that there are going to be things you, you look back on as you make progress that are probably going to groan about or that you wish you could go back and that you could do you could do differently. And I thought as well, just just from a larger biblical motif, you have you know, Paul addresses Timothy as a father to a son. And as you see that interaction in the Bible, particularly in the book of Proverbs, it's evident that as a father pleads with his son, he pleads not just 
because his son is his son, he pleads because he was in the place of that son at one time. Right. And he knows those temptations. He Mm -hmm. knows what life is like. And so, in a sense, as he addresses his younger son, he's addressing his younger self Mm. and saying, I wish somebody had said this to me. I wish I had known this. I wish I had been pleaded with in that way. And so it's kind of just from that framework, I think, that we want to be able to address – you know, to say to somebody just starting out, what well, you, you get to sit down and talk to you, you bring up a lot, Brian, the whole matter of mentors. So in this case, the mentors yourself, but it's 30, 40 years from now, right. and uh, they're going to look back and tell you a few things. So, so let's, Jim, I'm going to let you go first. What's, what's one, let's kind of go back and forth. What's one thing that you would have loved to have told your what, 18-year-old self when you first started preaching and then aspiring to be a pastor, what's one thing you would have wanted to tell him as a mentor? The first thing I would say, I think, is that there is nothing sanctifying that is that will uh, makes you more spiritual, makes you more successful in your struggle with sin about being in ministry. Hmm. That studying okay. the Bible, Preaching the Bible does not automatically make you holy. Right. It doesn't put your sin to death. You, that you, the, the thought is that if I could just spend all my time meditating on the scriptures, teaching, preaching, if I can become this man of God, then I will instantly be more godly. Huh. And the reality is you, you bring the same heart you have in seminary, or the same heart you carry into the uh, out of your home is the same heart you're going to bring into your study. It's the same heart you're going to carry with you, and you have to deal with your heart. In some ways, it almost makes it harder. I mean, the sanctification process, in some ways, we can argue is made easier, but in other ways, it's made harder as a result of being in the ministry because you're you're going to undergo certain attacks and assaults. But but again, just to reiterate. Being in ministry does not make you more godly. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So I would the first one I would say is I would remind I would tell my younger self that the word of God is indeed powerful enough to build the church mm-hmm. and to change people, but that's not an excuse to not grow as a preacher. Okay. So when you say that, did did you did you have in your mind? I, I hear in that some echoes of maybe some uh, church growth baggage and other things that you had in your mind that you thought, I have to do this, this, and this, and maybe you you thought, I have to implement all these other things to build a church, right? and you wish you had known that, no, God's Word is sufficient uh, to do that. So that's right. I I spent eight and a half years really in church growthy type, you know, pragmatic, entertainment-driven churches, and... Between seeing how that affects people and what that does to a local church, and then having mentors outside those churches teach me that what the local church is supposed to be, what a pastor is really supposed to be, and then having to go and put it to a test in going into a, a dying church and preach the word, uh, I, I got to see that firsthand. I believed it by the time I went, but in the early years, I, I just didn't know. I didn't know what what truly is, what is it that builds the church and then um, the other thing I experienced is, though I believed in that, it's not an excuse to not try to grow as a communicator and as a mm-hmm. preacher, which I found resistant to in the early years of my ministry, and so which I eventually le- grew in and eventually saw my need to grow, you know, as a preacher. But there's a lot of 
pastors who are going who buy into expository preaching and praise God for that. But they kind of go and and you can take that too far and say that I don't have to work on my craft as a preacher mm. because the word's so powerful. Well, the I word see. is powerful, yeah. but but we as preachers have to grow. We have to communicate. It's similar to what we, we talked to, about in our yeah. previous podcast. Right. Like we have to grow uh, to to serve our people well, to know our people. What's a way to communicate to them? And I would definitely say that to my younger self because I I missed that in the early years of uh, especially when I was preaching regularly. So. Jim, another one for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take off on that. I've got another thing that was that was kind of uh, battling for attention, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take off on a bit on what you just said there, Brian, and and that is the recognition that coming into a church prepared and, and knowing, having a, a good ecclesiology, a, a good knowledge of what you need to do, and implementing those things does not automatically mean success or what we deem as blessing. Right. And that is, we can go in there and we can preach the word. We can strive after biblical reformation or restoration or whatever term you want to use. And that is taking out things that, that are not in the word, implementing things that are in the word. And we might have in our mind, all right, now that I've done this, God is going to bless this in this kind of extraordinary way and people are going to embrace it and we're going to make all of this forward progress if i just implement if i just if i do the nine marks if i do you know whatever it is and if i can get into a church i can plant a church revitalize a church and do all of that and then we're not going to stagnate. We're not going to have the troubles that other churches have. We're not going to have the fights that other churches have. We're not going to have to. We're not going to have the sins that other churches have. If I just do it all right, and then you get into the the real world and realize, well, you know, a a, a New Testament church, a biblical church, includes churches like the Corinthian church, well, and, and actually, the church in Galatia, and the church, and they they all had problems, and doing the right thing. Preaching the word honestly does not automatically guarantee prosperity and quote unquote blessing. No, in fact, it, it might lead to you getting fired. Actually, not just it does; it might not lead Don't, to blessing. Yeah, that's right. It's not what you expected at all. No, I'm I'm being resisted. That's right. That's a good one. Um, I would another one I would mention is don't sweat the small things. So what I mean by that is. Um, I think the two most important things that any pastor can do when they go into a church and start their ministry is you preach the word, preach your heart out, and invest and love those people where mm-hmm. they are. Right. And don't sweat the small stuff. What I watch a lot of pastors do, and I saw myself do this, uh, is go in and you look around and you see some of the other the smaller things that really are insignificant, but they really matter to you for some reason. And you go after those things because they just bug you, right? And and I can I've joked there. I can think of about three different times where my wife probably helped me not get fired in the opening years of my ministry there, <laughs> because I was about to do something really dumb, and she looks at me and is like, "What? Why do you care about that? What? What does that matter? Just like let it go, right? And and so whether it's some small thing, whether it's some element in the service you just hate and you want to change, but it's a sacred cow in the church. I mean, I almost I almost removed flags that were in the sanctuary at a time that is a, which is a big deal in Southern Baptist churches, depending on the church and what kind of flags are in there and all that kind of stuff. 
But in the early years, that was just not something to tackle. And I almost did. And I, I probably would have gotten in. I would have gotten in big trouble. I don't know if I would have gotten fired over it. So don't sweat the small things. I, I, I often see in in the early years of, of a ministry in an established church, that or maybe a church that's dying, that a pastor will go in and move a lot of the furniture around on the Titanic. Yeah. And, and and that's kind of the image I think that's helpful to see. Like, like focus on the things that really matter. If I had my younger self, I would say, look, don't sweat the small stuff. Are, are the flags there now? Flags are gone now. All right. So you, you did eventually get to it. You just realized I eventually that it got wasn't to the... it. But it's so funny. When, by the time we got to it, I didn't really care that much right. about it anymore. And But it just happened. Right. So, okay. yeah, there you go. <laughs> What's okay. another one for you, Jim? I'm going to piggyback a little bit on something of what you said there, Brian. It, it's the recognition that God's people are so often all over the place, uh, theologically, spiritually, and even in regard to certain sins in their lives. You know, I came in, I had such a high view of what I don't want to sound like a heretic here. There's such a high view of what conversion does. Conversion makes somebody a new creature in Christ. That's the whole man, the embrace of the whole man of a whole Christ, and that results in transformation. It's life from death. It's blindness to sight. Mm-hmm. How can that not change? Law of God's written on your heart and on your mind, and all of the and all of that is true. But I needed to see the patient way in which that actually works itself out in church life. So mm-hmm. what I mean by that is you start understanding when, when Paul gives this, this incredible theology in Ephesians 1 through 3 about what salvation is, and salvation does, what the gospel does in the church, a beautiful picture of what the church is. So it ends with that great crescendo at the end of Ephesians 3, now unto him who is able to do, exceed, you know, to, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ through all generations. Amen. And then he starts talking about, all right, now you need to walk humbly and you need to walk in unity and you need lowly mindedness. And so what he's saying is, I just talked about that. And the very next breath, I understand y'all are still proud mm-hmm. and you're arrogant. And yep. then he goes on in Ephesians 4 to talk about people that are, there's people that were stealing, but they were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. They're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. They were created in Christ Jesus to walk in, in good works and all of this. And yet some were stealing, some were lying, some were lazy, some were angry. He had to, he had to look at a church, he had to preach to this church and say, all this bitterness and anger and clamor and evil speaking needs to be put away from you. And then he even has to warn about some forms of sexual immorality. He has yeah. to warn them, listen, yeah. the wrath of God may come because of this, but he's talking to a church. He's not just saying, well, this is evidence that y'all are unconverted. You know, And, and I would have at, at, a, at one time would have said, you shouldn't have to talk to a church that way. Oh, I see. You know, okay. you're talking to saints. You're talking to holy people, and these are these are all goats. And Paul did not regard them necessarily as goats. Mm-hmm. Now he did confront. And we're going to talk about this in a later podcast. He does address their sin, and he confronts their sin, but he's also recognizing the tension that Luther talks about that is, that we are simultaneously just and sinful. Mm, That's good. And I needed to recognize that. That's good. Here's one I really wish I would have been able to tell my younger self, although I'm not sure I would have listened. But in that is, uh, talk less, listen more. Mm. Talk less, listen more. 
I spent so much time in a lot of years of ministry listening to people with the intent to know how to respond well or respond in a way that is wise or to to help them in some way. I totally missed that the reality of just listening is helpful to people. Hmm. And I really wish my younger self, I look back in some I look back in some ways I know I did not serve people well because I I it, I just didn't kind of that wasn't present with people. And when you're not present with people because you're trying to think about what you need to say next to them, uh, it's oftentimes not helpful for hurting people who really don't necessarily want advice. They just want somebody to listen to mm-hmm. them. So that's a big one. If I could go back, I would I would tell my younger self to listen more, talk less. And, I'll, and I would add to that, don't think you have to have an answer for everything. Yeah. You know, don't think you have to have the right reply to someone. I mean, I can get to the point now where a lot of times I will I will wait for someone to ask me to give my opinion, or I'm assuming they just don't want it. Mm-hmm. And that's something for a oh, good 15 years of ministry I didn't do uh, at all. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe uh, maybe one more, Jim, for you, and then I'll go again. Okay, yeah. So another one, Brian, uh, for me, I think, is, is a recognition that the hardest work of pastoring is not preaching. Uh, so much of what you get mm-hmm. in seminary is preparation for preaching, systematic theology, exegesis, studying the original languages, yeah. how yeah. to craft, homiletics, hermeneutics, apologetics, uh, all of these kinds of things are, are geared toward your public ministry. And, and I don't want to diminish that one bit, the importance of public ministry. But the hard part about preaching is not... Necess- or the hard part about pastoring is not necessarily getting the Greek right and the Hebrew right and the right outline and simplicity of form and structure and passionately delivering the word. The hard part comes throughout the week and following that preaching when somebody says, I need to talk to you. Right. Um, that the real, the real uh, ache of ministry, the real, hard, the, the real hardship of ministry is out of the pulpit, mm. not preparation for and in the pulpit. That's good. Here's my last one, I think, and that's uh, I would I would tell my younger self, show your family they're your first priority, even if you make people mad in the church. Because I spent some early years dealing with a lot of fear of man, worrying mm-hmm. about what people thought of me uh, or judging me for not doing this or not doing that. And I got a lot of that in the early years, so I, which I was not prepared for. I mean, I, I have a, I mean, I have a story of a, of a, a leader in our church who kept a journal and drove by the church, keeping a journal on how much often my car was at the church. Like I had people who were built, trying to build a case against me just by, by those kinds of things. And I can remember decisions I made that I that I really regret. I had chances to show my family, you're first. It doesn't matter what they think. I'm here because you all need me in this moment. And I felt torn in that place. It wasn't that I didn't want to be with my family, but I also felt the fear of being judged by mm. people in church. And I remember in the early years, especially with a lot of the hostility I faced, and I dealt with a lot of that, I had to face that often. If I could go back, I would want to look my younger self in the face and say, it's okay. They're, they're gonna, those people are going to be all right. This is the moment that you will build credibility, collateral with your wife and your children to yeah. show them you are here for them in this moment 
when they need you. And I, and I failed on several occasions in that way. And I wish I could go back and, and, and share that with my younger self. I, I, I feel like I've learned from that in a lot of ways and mm. do that differently now. And I'm grateful for that. Definitely advice I'd give my, my younger self. Jim, as we wrap this up, um, what, um, uh, what do you think is, is the best advice we should give uh, to, uh, to younger pastors not just ourselves, right? But but just younger pastors in general as you wrap this episode up. As they're listening, they're trying to think about heading off mistakes that they would make. What would you yeah. tell them as well, we close? Well, you're going to make mistakes. So, I mean, you're yeah. human, you're flawed. You Your ministry is is going to be it's going to be like everybody else's ministry. You're not going to do it perfectly. You you think you you hope you will. You you want to learn from everybody's mistakes. You want to try to take all of this to heart, but un, un, understand that God does not despise your humanity. God does not despise your youth. God does not despise your inexperience. Mm-hmm. You you can't be 50 when you're 27. You can't have the experience of a 60-year-old when you're 30. You just can't. And um, Lord's, the Lord's people will generally be understanding and compassionate. You'll have times when you reflect on ministry, you'll reflect on a sermon you preached, you'll reflect on certain priorities you had earlier on. And you'll, you'll, you'll have some regret. Well, there's mm. a fountain open for sin and uncleanness. And if you sin, if you sin there's the blood of Christ. If you just human, make mistakes, then there's still the mercy em, of God embrace and the mercy your humanity, of God's yeah. people. And again, yeah, embrace, right. embrace your humanity. You're yeah. going to carry it out in weakness. I always try to say make fresh mistakes, you know, try not to repeat them all <laughs> that's the good. time. That's good. But, but you know, that's, that's part of the reality. You are who you are. You're, you're, you're just a guy. Everybody who pastors, you don't you don't get a be you don't get a, a a special cape and a flame retardant suit when you enter into ministry. You're still just a guy uh, given an extraordinary task, but that has an extraordinary God to undergird and and cover your weaknesses. It's a good word. I think on that note, before I pray for for these um, listening, that this is a call for you to go find an older pastor as a mentor. To do your mm-hmm. best to try to find that. In a way, it's kind of what we wanted to be able to provide here, for, especially for those listening who don't have that. But that, but exactly what Jim said: if you're twenty, you can't be fifty if you're twenty-seven. At least functioning from that that knowledge and experience and wisdom. But you can learn from somebody in that way. So let me encourage you to go find a, another pastor, an older pastor. Yeah, in that just way. real quick, sometimes yep. those mentors are going to be in the way of books. And right. The best-selling books too often on pastoral ministry is on the is from the thirty-year-old whiz kid. You know, who started in my basement at 25 with three people, and now there's 8,000 people coming. Don't read his book. It's just going to be crushing, and it's, and it's probably going to wind up at half-price books, you know, in a few <laughs> weeks when the guy's exposed for being a whatever. <clears throat> read some guy who's been in ministry for 40, 50 years. Yeah. And and if you can't if you can't get the benefit of somebody in your own town, which is what you ought to do, right. at least get the benefit of somebody older like that. That's a good word. And as much as we would definitely encourage you to buy the Practical Shepherding books and read them, <laughs> we would probably even more so say, go read Dead Pastors. Yeah. Or go read pastors who are in their 60s and 70s and right. 80s uh, and who have just all that experience to pour into. Um, and we can, and there's tons of things you can seek and, and find in that those categories. So let me pray for you that God gives you wisdom as you set off to make mistakes and learn from them and hopefully have a fruitful ministry in the midst of that. Lord, thank you for those who are listening to this and their ministries that they represent. Lord, we thank you that 
your your mercies are new every morning to us, and that means that we get to learn from our mistakes every day, and hopefully have a more fruitful ministry because we would learn from them, and we would be even wiser afterwards. So, Lord, every person that listening to this, every pastor listening to this, would you help us to to embrace our humanity, to know we're going to make mistakes and we're going to sin, we're going to fail, but Lord, you're building your church and you bless the ministry of your people. Uh, when your word is preached, your spirit is poured out. So Lord, those listening to this, would you bless each of our ministries and help us to learn from our mistakes and learn from others as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.